Your spirit, gracious one, be here among us. Speak through these lips your truth and open our hearts to be changed by the truth that your spirit applies to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'll confess from the outset this morning that these three principal readings this morning are among my favorites in all of Scripture. And it's been difficult to look at trying to harmonize all three or to focus on one because I could spend the entire time on one of the three. But if you'll bear with me, we're going to journey through these three principal readings, beginning with the gospel. This is the most recent in a series of readings that we've been looking at over recent weeks from the sixth chapter of John, where Jesus provides some discourse to those who followed him in his body and blood. My flesh is real food, he says. My blood is real drink. And there are those who walked away, unable to comprehend what it was that Jesus was speaking about. Let me put this into some context, because some of us from our uh, 21st century American culture, we look at that and we, we understand you know, eat my flesh and drink my blood. There's, there's a, it smacks of cannibalism. This is morbid. Why We would understand why people would turn away. But let me put this in a little different context so you understand what was taking place among the people of Israel during that time and what it might have meant to them. I've been reading some of Marcus Borg of late in a book that he wrote in the mid-90s I uh, recommend to you. It's called Meeting Jesus Again for the First Time. And in it, he reminds us that of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, John was written at a time some 60 to 70 years after Christ and contains some language that you don't find in what we know as the Synoptic Gospels. And so the understanding is that in all likelihood, whether completely historically accurate or not, the Gospel of John represents the church, the early church, and their developing relationship with the resurrected Christ. And it says to us, it shares with us some of the the doctrines, some of the important beliefs of that early church. Very important. Note that the Gospels were written primarily to Hebrew people who understood a culture that is quite foreign to us. When Jesus taught, have you ever thought about at the Last Supper, and this is recorded in the Synoptic Gospels as well, when Jesus offers to his disciples, this is my body which is given for you, this is my blood which is given for you, have you ever wondered why no one among the twelve stood up and said, Ugh. <laughs> Jesus, what are you talking about? It's because... They understood full well in the Hebrew culture dating all the way back to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 15, there is this this covenant relationship. Two people could enter into a covenant relationship with one, one with another. And part of the Hebrew ritual included a covenant meal, which was effectively bread and wine. The disciples gathered at that table understood that Jesus was inviting them into a covenant relationship with him where they would become one with him as he was one with his heavenly father. 
So when John records this discourse in chapter 6, and those turn and walk away because they think this is a hard teaching, who can understand this, who can do this? They understood. Jesus was inviting them into covenant relationship with him. I'm inviting you to do more than what you have done previously. And there were those who followed Jesus simply for entertainment value. Face it, Jesus was good entertainment, right? Wherever he went, people were healed. Wherever he went, sometimes there was free food, remember? And often his teachings spoke to what the, those who were among the, what they considered occupied Israeli nation, he spoke of freedom. He spoke of release from captivity. And they saw that Jesus was one who spoke the kinds of things that would bring them freedom, relief from their Roman oppressors. But Jesus called those disciples on this particular day to something more. I'm inviting you to covenant relationship, to experience God in a fresh way, and quite frankly, to live as I live. And the disciples, some of them said, this is hard. I'm not sure I can live as you live, Jesus. I'm not sure I can can be what you are in the world. And they walked and turned away. Jesus called them to something more. Fast forward or reverse with me to the epistle reading for this morning in Ephesians. Remember that, the, that Paul's letter to the Ephesians is written primarily to Gentile Christians. And early in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he is talking to them about freedom, peace. These Gentile Christians who had been oppressed in some ways by Jewish Christians who are trying to impose the Judaic law on these Gentile Christians, Paul was saying... You're not under the law. You're under grace. So if I'm a Gentile Christian, I'm saying, that's good news. Wonderful. I don't have to live up to all these laws. But now in chapter 6 in this letter, Paul says, but you're not off the hook. There is something more you must experience. In order to be fully discerning members of the body of Christ in this world, you need to put on the full armor of God. He was calling them to a deeper relationship. He's calling them to a covenant relationship with God through Christ that asks more of them than simply living free. The Old Testament reading for this morning from Joshua. Very familiar passage to most of us. That famous statement, Joshua stands and says, Choose this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The rather lengthy Old Testament reading this morning took us through some of the history of God with the people of Israel, reminded the people of Israel how faithful God had been to them, how God had fought battles on their behalf, paved the way for them to come into this place of blessing. And the reality at that particular time was the people of Israel had become somewhat accustomed to the blessing of God. They had taken for granted God's blessing and become somewhat complacent to the point that they were looking at the gods of the peoples around them and saying, you know, there's some validity to that and there's some validity to this. And, and their covenant relationship with God had become diluted. Joshua calls the people 
to look seriously at that covenant relationship. And he says, you can serve whoever you want to serve. If you want to serve the gods of the Amorites, if you want to serve the gods of our ancestors, do that. But if you're going to continue in this covenant relationship with God, whose blessing you have come to take for granted, it's going to require something more of you. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people of Israel stand and they say with one voice, you know, we will serve the Lord. And Joshua ridicules them. No, you can't do that. You don't really have the commitment to serve the Lord. And they said, no, we will. Your witnesses against yourselves, Joshua says, we'll be witnesses against ourselves. And how does that passage end? Joshua institutes, revisits, if you will, the covenant between God and the people of Israel, and they reaffirm their commitment. God required of the people of Israel through Joshua something more. You see a theme running through these readings? Those who would be serious about relationship with God, about, about living out the life of God in this world, it was required of them a greater commitment. For some, it's difficult. I understand how difficult it can be. And I will, not, uh, I will not transpose my own struggles onto you, all right? I'm going to share with you just some of my own experience in my relationship with the, in this journey of faith. There have been times I've been like those disciples gathered around Jesus who heard I want to be in a covenant relationship with you. And I said, you know, I, I kind of like being around the church. I kind of like being where you're doing good things, God, where you're doing great things. I enjoy the miracles. I enjoy having my, you know, my spirit tickled at times. The mystery of when we gather here in a place like this, we talk about the mystery of faith from week to week. And we experience some of that mystery. I enjoy that mystery. But when it comes to how that mystery affects the way I live my life outside of these walls, that requires more than simply coming and experiencing the mystery. Are you following me? It requires some interaction with other fellow journeyers on this path toward God. And dialoguing together about what does it mean to live this life of mystery in the world in which we live. I know what that feels like. There are times I relate to the people of Israel in Joshua's day when I've become so accustomed to the blessing of God. God has been with me and provided for me so often in my life when I didn't deserve it that I take for granted and become complacent and comfortable where I live. And sometimes that covenant relationship with God becomes diluted by the other interests I have in this world. And it's easy to lose touch with the heart of the God I say I serve and whose spirit I come and enjoy the mystery of from week to week. Bottom line, God still calls us to something more. Turn, if you would, and just look at the people who are seated next to you. 
Okay, look around. In front of you. Behind you. Make eye contact. All right? Don't just look forward. Look at the people around you. Yeah, you're laughing with good reason for some of you, I can tell. If you could see what I see, you'd be laughing even harder. And you say, if you could see what, if you could see what we see, you'd be laughing too. These people with whom you gather from week to week to worship and experience the mystery of faith are people who need you. Their faith journey is enhanced by your faith journey as we dialogue together about what it means to live as people of faith in this world. We help each other. Those same people with whom you made eye contact a moment ago are people that you need. They have experiences in this faith journey and and living out their faith in this world that will enrich your life experience and help take the mystery of our faith out into this world and live it out in ways that we can reconcile our faith with truly being covenant partners with God and disciples in this day and age. What is required is that we take seriously our own development as men and women of faith. We can come to a place of worship like this from week to week and be nourished enough to survive spiritually. And many of us have done it for almost our entire lives. We've survived on what we experience here from week to week. But those people around you who need you, need you to be the best that you can be, to be as informed as you can be, to dialogue with them, to be growing so that you can actually discern when you walk out of this place how best to live as disciples of Christ, ambassadors of peace in this world. It's not an easy world in which to live. Those people who looked at you in the eye this morning are depending on you to invest enough in your own spiritual maturity and growth that you can in turn be a positive impact on their life in faith. Does that all make sense? That's the community. We're connected. We invest in each other starting with the investment we make in ourselves. And let's take it broader. We heard this morning a a powerful presentation about our Palestinian Christian brothers and sisters. How can we possibly discern how we can be of help to that troubled part of the world if all we do from week to week is experience the mystery of faith here without having dialogue about how that faith is lived out in our world. God still calls us, as Joshua to the people of Israel, as Jesus to those disciples, as Paul to the church at Ephesus, to take seriously our development as Christians and to invest in ourselves and each other. The only hope this world has of being able to truly 
experience the transforming grace and love of God is that we, the body of Christ, take seriously our development into true covenant partners with God through Jesus Christ. The good news is, as our psalm reminded us, God is always faithful. If we will take seriously our development, God will take seriously God's investment in our lives as well. Some of you have been attending forums this summer. I just left the forum this morning and saw more people at forums than we've seen in quite a while. You're taking seriously your development. Some of you are involved in EFM. Some of you are involved in small groups. I don't care what it is. But I encourage you. In fact, I implore you. Don't simply exist on what you experience here from week to week of the mystery of God without finding a venue, a place, where you can flesh out what the living out of that faith looks like in this world. As we do so, we will invest in the reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation that God has given to us through Christ, and peace will ultimately come to our world. In Jesus' name.